0: So this is courageous church sermon number six. I wonder if you can remember what have we had so far? Any remembrances of the five other Cs? Confident, confident being confident in the gospel, yeah. Countercultural. Countercultural. That was last week. What about having courage itself, yeah? What about on Mothering Sunday? What did we think about on Mothering Sunday? The cost. (laughs) And the second one that was reflected on, I didn't do. So if you can remember what Helen did. Something to do with germs. Being contagious. Well. I don't know whether you know what the last one is, but the, la- well, the last but one. The last but one is Cultivates. Now, I'm not a very good gardener, but I do enjoy doing it. The promise of green beans to come as you plant the seeds. The joy of roses flourishing as you dare to take the pruning shears to their stems each year. There's a rambling rose at the bottom of the Vicarage garden. But we only discovered it when we severely pruned something else. Since then, it has been able to see the light, you might say, and, my goodness, it has certainly rambled. It's grown tremendously. When we left Utoxeter, one of the gifts we were given was a six-inch stick that we were reliably informed would become a vine. A real reminder, perhaps, of the verses that was why they gave it to us, a reminder of the Bible verses we've had today uh, from John 15. So far, it has not had any fruit, but it is more than a six-inch stick now, and it hasn't been pruned. It needs to grow and develop a bit more before we do that. But I wonder if the same is true of us. Do we need to grow and develop a bit more? The word cultivate can mean prepare and use land for crops or gardening, or it can mean try to develop and improve something. Its root is in medieval Latin from the words for arable, for land and for inhabit. So how does this word cultivates apply to us then as a courageous church? I don't know about you, but I can't imagine what life would have been like for me back in prehistoric times if I had lived then. I can't imagine what it would have been like for me perhaps in the 1200s, or even when Jesus was on Earth. Oh yes, I can look at pictures and things that people have surmised, I can see films and all of that, but I can't actually imagine what it would really have been like for me as an individual. People have developed, haven't they? The way we live life is very different in so many ways. Just in the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, never mind back to prehistoric times. There's all our technological stuff just for a start. But there's more to it than that, I think. The things that drive us are different today. We don't have, for instance, the same need to hunt for food to cultivate the things around us in order to survive. Or do we? If we leave our rose bush at the bottom of the garden back to its own devices, it will again become straggly and tangled. It will grow in on itself. It might produce a number of roses, yes, but they won't be so good as the ones we're currently getting. You could say it will get in the way of itself, The rose need help to grow in the right directions and with the right aims. So we prune it in order to stop the plant wasting its own energy and becoming unproductive. Pruning it means cutting out particularly the parts of the plant that are growing inwards and getting tangled up. Pruning encourages the shoots that are growing outwards towards the light. In other words, as Tom Wright says, you prune the rose To help it be its true self vines are the same they need to spend their energy on producing good quality grapes they need to grow out to the light and not create a tangled mess left on their own that is exactly what they do if the vine is to be its true self it will need some pruning now a bit of knowledge of the greek here would be quite helpful because the word that John uses for prune in verse two of our reading is quite unusual. Apologies for pronunciation, because I'm not very good at this, but I think you pronounce this one katharii, which is spelt K-A-T-H in English, this is K-A-T-H-A-I-R-E-I. But it's very similar, but slightly different, to the word in the next verse that Jesus that John uses for clean or pure. There the word is katharoi, K-A-T-H-A-R-O-I. It would seem John's making us link the pruning of the vine and the clean state of the disciples. But what was really clean about them? I don't think he's talking about washes and they didn't have biological washing powder then, so their robes would have been a bit, you know, not sure how often they got washed. Jesus had spent time with them, Hanty. He? He'd spoken with them. He had called them. He had asked them to take up his cross, their own crosses, and follow him. They had no doubt already been pruned, as they had listened to all that he had challenged them with. But now it seems that Jesus might be reminding them that they need to be pruned again. They've already borne fruit as they've encouraged others to follow Jesus, but perhaps there is more to do. In Jewish tradition, Israel is often pictured as a vine. God brought his vine out of Egypt and planted it in the Promised Land. But it struggles there. It's ravaged by wild animals and needs protecting and re-establishing. You can read all about that in Psalm 80, verses 8 to 18. It's a story about all the kings, etc., that try to overthrow and gain control of um, the Israelite people. Isaiah and other prophets say that Israel's vineyard has produced wild grapes instead of proper ones. But what did Jesus say at the beginning of our reading? "I am the vine, the true vine." He is the one in whom God's purposes are now resting. His followers are God's true people if they belong to him and remain in him. These chapters of John's Gospel are often now known as the farewell discourse. Jesus is trying to help everyone, but especially the disciples, be prepared for what is about to come as we shall remember as we follow through Holy Week this week. He is speaking of the intimate relationship that his followers can enjoy if they remain in him that can be cultivated so to speak. And in those branches that need to be pruned, well perhaps he's talking about those who decide to go it alone. Tom Wright suggests to try to live without the life of the vine, those branches will wither and die and will be good for nothing but a fire. But he suggests branches that remain in the vine and submit to the pruner's knife every now and again, when necessary, live well and bear fruit. And it seems to me this is what Jesus is holding out to us in these verses. The idea that we can live well and bear fruit, even if sometimes we need a bit of pruning. But what's that going to look like? How do we remain in Jesus? Well, I'd like to suggest that we must remain in community and in a community that knows and loves Jesus and celebrates him as their Lord. It seems to me this passage tells us there can be no such thing as a solitary Christian. Going life alone is not an option. But at the same time, we must also remain people of prayer and worship in our personal and private lives. Pruning cultivates the branches that are strong and potentially vigorous, but also the ones that are outwards facing from the centre of the bush. Are we prepared to allow Jesus to cultivate us? Although it will hurt, probably, dare we allow the Father to use his pruning knife on us? Because if we do, then God is the one who will be glorified and we will be able to be those who will bear good fruit and lots of it. This is an intimate process, and one for which we need to be courageous people. When vines are being pruned, the vine dresser has nothing more important in his mind than the long-term health and productivity of his vine. It's the time when he comes closest to it, the time when the pruning knife is in his hand. As we begin to look out into our parish, we need to be courageous. We need to allow God to cultivate us as individuals and as a church so that we can be the community he already knows he needs us to be. Perhaps that's going to mean looking out and taking out some of the things that are maybe a bit old and withered and past their best. And I'm not talking about people. Maybe it's going to mean taking time to listen to him, both alone and together, It will mean thinking about what we can contribute, time, effort, energy, money. It means being prepared to live in our 21st century world, developing and improving so that God's kingdom can grow. As we move into Holy Week, I want to challenge us all to reflect again on how courageous we can dare to be. How confident in the gospel are we really? How contagious a life are we living? Are we being brave, having courage? Are we prepared to pay the costs that might be needed? Is my life and yours countercultural enough? Are we prepared to let God cultivate us? Next Sunday on Easter Day, perhaps we might try and see how this could all work together as we watch the disciples on that day and see how courageous they were in the face of such a trauma from the weekend before. Let's pray.